0: Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Each episode, your hosts bring you news, views, and abuse from America's professional rugby union, along with all the latest on the USA national team. Now, with all that said, let's get on with the show. and we're live welcome to your folder podcast everyone i apologize about any delays um i completely forgot about this until about 15 minutes ago um as i was watching the stanley cup in the first period so let's go abs um craig how's your week been so far i know you're kind of you're a little bit happy about what about what's happening this weekend but how, how have you been otherwise
1: yeah, well, uh, it was Father's Day weekend, so I had a uh, great time, thanks to my wife and my family, who uh, made it very special for me It had lots of fun stuff. We went for a hike, we watched a Star Wars movie as a family, and my son is now requesting Star Wars, which is uh, pretty exciting. And then I was given a peaceful and free couple hours to watch the New York rugby team defeat Rival New England in the Eastern Conference Championship and advanced to the finals. So, uh, pretty good day all around. Uh, how was your week, Josh? Uh,
0: it, it's been good. Um, can't. I'm a little disappointed in the Avs after their performance on Monday, but it is what it is. Um, you know, it's just been work making dinners and stuff. I can't complain. Um,
1: what's your go-to? What's your go-to meal that you cook for
0: yourself? Um, I make. Taco mac and cheese. So I make taco meat and then um, put a bag of frozen mixed vegetables in it, and then the macaroni and cheese. Obviously, it's quick, it's easy, it's delicious. So
1: all right, sounds good.
0: All right, jumping right into everything. First conference final of the weekend was the semi. Was excuse me, was the Western Conference final between Seattle and Houston in Houston, um, where's with Houston being the only team that was actually scheduled to be in the Western conference playoffs, but it just ended up being Seattle in the conference final. Once again, for the, for the third time, um, they scored six tries to Houston's four. Um, Duncan Matthews scored two. Um, although there is concern that he may be injured. We don't know. Um, once again, AJ AG Alitimo being the man to lead, lead the team there. Houston, started strong got slow came back and then just left it again I don't know what it is I think that's been their momentum all year but they've been able to hold teams and then against Seattle just looked like they almost couldn't or just gave up at some point what what else did you see in this one Craig yeah
1: it was uh it was really streaky one wasn't it I mean Houston got out front, Seattle pulled way ahead, Houston brought it back to even, and Seattle dusted them off and and left them, you know, with with a a pretty significant distance in the final score, so, Um, you know, it was, uh, I saw a mistake-heavy, you know, big play-reliant game on both sides, you know, both both teams capitalized on errors for the most part uh, and turned them into really big scoring plays, which is great a great thing to do um you don't expect to see i think quite so many errors and quite such a loose play in a conference final but uh we got it and i think you know, clearly seattle had the better of it ajl timu unbelievable game he's been having he's had a great season great playoff run so far like you said matthews has kind of been his a1 on Seattle, and his health will be I think, a huge question mark going into this weekend because so he did leave the. If I'm, I believe he left the game for sure. I believe it was because he was injured uh, at the end of that contest last week. Now I don't know if that was a serious injury that's going to prevent him from being out or from playing this weekend. Um, but certainly, he's been a huge asset since he, he's joined the starting lineup in Seattle as well. Um, so you know, I, I think if you're Houston, you're probably on all fairly happy. You've righted the wrongs of the past. Uh, you had your first winning season, first playoff appearance, finally lived up to a little, you know, the preseason expectations of being a quality team. Um, like you're Seattle. I mean, you were out and now you're back in championship chance to hoist the shield for the third time out of four total hoistings. So, uh, Yeah, I think both of those teams are probably feeling okay morale-wise, and, uh, you know, Seattle has a knack of winning playoffs and winning championships, so uh, I certainly wouldn't count them out of anything in the finals, despite, you know, the fact that they didn't technically qualify for the playoffs by their season performance.
0: Yeah. And then I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Melon Azibori. Um He ended up being stretchered off um, at about the 55th minute um, with what is said to be a back injury, although it wasn't immediately clear what caused that. So prayers up to him. Um, he was scheduled to be with the U.S. team during the, the Chile qualifier. So we'll, we'll see what happens here, if he's okay by then, or if someone else gets brought, brought in. But like I said, Springing that up as we forgot, as I forgot to mention it as well. Next up, probably the, the better game of the weekend. Um, New York beating New England 24 to 16. Um, three tries from New York, one by Ben Manasso, um, that some people thought was had a forward pass right before it. Um, one from Nahane Miller Scudder, and then one from Andrew Coe, and then also, uh, New England. With Bodine Waka being their try scorer and actually their entire point scoring, as he had their conversion and three penalty kicks as well. Um, there were a few few moments in this game um, where people thought the wrong call was made. Um, that potential forward pass on the Ben Manasa try. Um, there was a yellow card given to Oregano Gorman in the 73rd minute after a fair bit of play, and that ended in what looked like a high shot to Bodine Waka. That wasn't um, given a card either. But outside of those things, it, it just seemed like New York had more control of the game, especially in the second half. But what did you, from your perspective, what did you see in this one, Greg?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the story that you come away with from this game is, uh, unfortunately, I think maybe some of the officiating decisions. I were a lot of close plays, a lot of calls that could have gone either way. Um, certainly I, I sympathize if you're New England and you felt some calls uh, didn't go in your favor uh, you, you referenced the yellow card play I, toward the, the one at the end of the game there uh, I thought they, I actually thought the hit on Waka was okay I mean any time a guy kicks it and you hit him and he doesn't have the ball and then he goes down injured there's a high likelihood there's going to be a penalty if not a card uh, levied there towards the tackling team. Even though I think often it's actually okay. I mean, if you don't hit him in the head or above the shoulders, it's not a high tackle. In my view, there the contact, and they didn't show that many replays of it, but but what they showed, I did not see contact to the head. Um, so I guess it, then it falls to the question of was it a late hit? You know, there was a tackling man without the ball, essentially, which maybe, again, that's sort of a subjective call looked okay to me, but, you know, I could see someone saying, no, that was a, a late hit, that should be a penalty at least for Calvin Mayer without the ball. Off the other side of the field, away from that play, was when uh, the, New England, the uh, New England player got a yellow card. Again, they didn't really show much on the TV about it. It was very quickly uh, covered. Um, so I, I don't even have a clear view of that particular card either, but um, if that is the fact pattern that a yellow card, was given for a dangerous play, and then let's just say simultaneously, uh regular way penalty is given towards New York, I think you would it would be New York's kick and it would be a yellow card against Boss. So like the outcome that they ended up on would be the correct one if that is the fact pattern. Now I've had I've heard other people say they think there was contact they had on Bodine Wonka. Certainly, he looked very shaken up for somebody who didn't have contact to the head. Um, again, uh, yeah, I, I didn't see it. I'm trying to trying to look at it as impartially as I can. It looks to me like it's really contact to the chest, uh, and then, uh, but yeah, again, if if in your eyes you saw that being contact to the head, then you're definitely talking a card, uh, maybe even a red card. And and New York scored the try that really put the game away right after this penalty. So certainly felt like a big change of momentum because they stopped playing. You thought if you were watching that, I I certainly thought that a card was coming to New York, you know, the way the game stopped, they started speaking at the referee. Yeah. The the referee team started speaking. I thought we were going to see a card from New York. It ended up being a card against New England, which was a shock uh, and a positive one as a New York fan, but a shock nonetheless, uh, so, you know, unfortunately, I think that's the story that people will remember most from this game, and you, you hate to see it come, you know, I don't think it came down to the end of the You hate to see that be the, the most memorable part of the game. I thought, otherwise, I thought both of you guys played pretty well, pretty solid defense. New York probably, New York had an edge in the scrum, and they kept getting scrum penalties to go their way, and that honestly may have been the difference. I mean, they had some huge scrum penalty wins uh, that really, you yeah, know, stole some momentum and uh you know, some, some good plays when the time uh you know, when the time came for big plays and uh, now you have New York in their first final
0: and speaking of the finals um in case you missed the news it was announced yesterday morning at this point um as I don't remember what day of the week it is even though it is Wednesday um the if you're MLR watching, final, it, if you're listening to us
1: on the podcast, it's I don't know Thursday or Friday.
0: Yeah. Uh, you, in case you miss the news, the MLR final will be played at Red Bull Arena, um, Harrison, New Jersey. Correct?
1: Uh, where in New Jersey is it? I have no idea. But yeah, it's Red Bull Arena. All New Jersey the same. Doesn't really. The same. <laughs> right. Township is. But,
0: yeah. So that'll be better than the high school field that everyone thought it was going to be even though I thought that field was fine. I think I've been used to seeing rugby played on that type of field for as long as I've, you know, been around rugby. Um,
1: I think the field is fine at JFK. It's what's around the field that's a problem. You can't have your championship match on Fox proper, have people tune in and then see that your game is in a high school with no parking, with, like, a tennis court on the one side, just, like, you know, like walls covered in spray paint murals on one side I and mean, it doesn't, it does not look serious or professional. Uh, I, I would suspect to a casual viewer. So I think huge win for MLR to not have to have the finals at JFK I mean, the, t- the pitch itself, whatever is fine. Uh, but yeah, I, I just don't think you want people tuning into their TV and seeing a league that's trying to impress people with its professional quality playing their championship game in a high school.
0: Yeah. Career. All right. And our discussion for the week, um, basically just um, position group comparison advantage, however you want to call it, you know, looking at, you know, who has the better prop group. Um, probably if you'd have to say it, probably New York, just based on especially the, the Utah game very early on in the season where they had to go to uncontested scrums.
1: Yeah. Um, so, so we're going to, Josh, the plan I guess is we're going to go through and compare the different position, you know, almost like a position by position breakdown of the two teams that the goals are so we're starting with props and then we're going to work our way through the lineup.
0: I'm probably going to combine like props and hooker into you know, just the front row, second row, back row, the scrum and fly halves. Um, the yeah. centers so, you're, and the- so
1: you're giving front row advantage to New York.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Just based yeah. on... Who, who did they um, collapse the the post against? Wasn't that Seattle?
1: Yeah, that was Seattle. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I have to agree with that front row. I mean, you know, Seattle's had great front rows over the years. I think right now uh, the props that they're putting out there are um, – you know, have not yet been uh, – have very memorable performances. So this week they had Mizamo Majola, and Sam Matenga playing as a true prop, so not, not household names, even even within MLR. Um, New York has at least, you know, Chancellor Gluski, who's a USA Eagle, in there at prop. Um, they also have Dylan Fawcett and Hooker, who's certainly been one of the best hookers in MLR history, if maybe not this year, the best, but, you know, always in the conversation, at least, for the best. Um, so, you know, I, I think... That one, in the year 2022, I think the front row edge yeah, pretty clearly goes to New
0: York. Uh, uh, the second row locks. Um, honestly, I kind of want to call this one a tie. Um, just because Reynold Herbst and Samu Manoa have been pretty strong this year. Even throwing Brad Tucker in there as well. And then for New York, you got three USA players almost and um, Charlie Hewitt. He's been – well, you see, Charlie yeah. Hewitt has been a <laughs> U.S.A. select. Because you
1: also you have Banasa who's been playing lock, and yeah. you have Savetta and you have Brickley who are all eagle locks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is that's a tough one. I actually was going to say the same thing. There might, might be a push. I mean, Manoa just came out of retirement essentially, uh, but, I mean, he's back with the Eagles, so he must be fairly fit. Um, and Seattle lost Ben Landry. To injury, uh, who's another really solid lock that, that they've had all year, uh, lock slash back row. Um, and you know, I think New York's locks, I don't know, I, I kind of agree. It's a I, I think the New York locks, Breakley and Sevetta, have actually underperformed a bit this year, in my view. Um, uh, not as good as I was expecting. I think has actually played very well. Uh, he's a little shorter as a lock. Um, you know, he's, he had always been a back row in his appearances prior to the last few weeks, but, uh, he's sort of try as a lock this week. I, I think, I think he, uh, I'm suspecting he'll be a lock in this finals lineup. And, uh, he's actually, I think, had the best season of that group we just mentioned. So pr- pretty even both, both very solid in the second row. I, w- I would agree. It's a push. And
0: then back row, um, if Bonasso is in the back row, I'm going to give it to New York. If he is lock, if he's playing a lock, I'm probably going to give it to um, Seattle. Or I will not Seattle. I will call it a push leaning towards Seattle just because um, Andrew Dura and Breckert Hatting are probably two of the best in the league. Um, yeah. Nikai Penny, if he plays, is up there. Um, he's been That's hurt, though. Hard.
1: very very good. Actually, I'm going to give it to Seattle. I think Seattle has the better back row. I mean, New York's back row has been inconsistent. Ibenasso is good if he plays back row. Other than that, though, I mean, Kara Fryer has been in and out. They've had a a veritable rotation through the eighth position this year. Um, Yeah, Brendan O'Connor has shown some signs of life, but he's had injury problems. Uh, Kiri Curie hasn't played that much. I think New York has had a pretty unstable back row and uh, whereas record hatting is also had one of the better is is probably in the conversation for forward of the year in MLR. So uh, I'm going to say Seattle is my, I'll tip Seattle for back row advantage.
0: Um, And then scrum half or nine, 10 combination Um, depends on who New York throws out there. Um, Obviously Andy Ellis is one of the, one of the best players out there um, in the league at that position being a 28-time 28, 28 all-black cap, um, and then depending on who they throw out at fly-off, either Jack Hayton or Sam Windsor, um, honestly, their best lineup would probably be throwing Hayton at 10 and um, putting Windsor at, like, 12 or something, but I understand the comp, the, um, the combination of Emery and Fuatay been, has been working well all season long. Um, and then for Seattle, i probably put it top three, if not the best in the league, um with jp smith and aj alatimo being in there
1: yeah yeah this is a tough one Dave, we're gonna go combining the halfbacks cause i think i would say andy ellis at scrum half is probably like the most important person to how new york's attack runs maybe the most important person to how any team's attack runs like you know he's such a difference maker for them um But you almost say the same thing about Alatimu 10 for Seattle. He's probably the most influential 10 out in the league right now. Uh, So, I mean, I guess I would say uh, having a 10 is slightly more important than having a 9. So I I guess I would maybe give the slight advantage to Seattle uh, with Alatimu there. But um, honestly, I I would just split those up. I, I would say scrum halves, New York has the edge, and then fly half Seattle has the edge.
0: That's fair. That's fair. And then let's look at the center pairings, um, you know, with Tavito Lopeti, Ross, ne- Ross Neal, Dan Creel. Um, who else did they throw in there? David Busby, um, Lopeti Asiya for Seattle. Um, I believe Martin has played there a game or two. And then New York. Um, I just probably give it to New York, just that combination of Jason Emery and Fasi, Fuatai, and then Quinn Nicolati off the bench. Probably be one is probably one of the better center um, combinations in the league.
1: Yeah, I mean, both these teams really have strong back five uh, players. It's going to be hard to compare them. I, I think, you know, Seattle centers are so talented. I think LaPetti is so talented. Um, I, I think if we're saying strictly centers, I mean, it's hard to go against New York. I think Emory is like, I mean, he's kicking for New York. Uh, at least uh, the way he, the light ons have shaken out the last couple weeks, so that's obviously very valuable. But you know, putting that aside for a moment, I think I think in the centers, I am going to give a slight edge to Seattle. I, I just think Ross Neal; those guys are so dangerous, uh, and they're and they're dangerous on both sides of the ball. They're really good defensively. They're really good in the open field. Um, yeah, I, I think both sides are very strong here, but I'll, I'll say center pairing advantage is Seattle
0: and then back three with the wings and the fullback um honestly just straight advantage to new york here you got a team that can throw out a starting lineup of 53 um international caps and then throwing andrew co off the off the bench and troy Lockyer off the bench as well being two of their two of their better bench players um even with troy getting a couple of starts early in the year when they were down a couple of people and, but Seattle's no no slouch themselves. You know, you got Rano Futi on the wing. Martin Yosefo has been great. Um, Ross Neal has played a couple games out there as well. Um, and then Duncan Matthews has pretty much been the mainstay there for Seattle at the 15 all year. Um, I, I'd probably toss up, but 50% more towards New York than Seattle.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think Seattle's no slouch for sure. Duncan Matthews has had a great year, as you said. ISFO, great player. You know, he all none of the sevens guys for me, except maybe co, honestly in New York, have really delivered this year as much as I was hoping they would. But still, I mean, strong play. He certainly, he certainly had his moments. But yeah, it's tough to compete in New Yorks back three options between their all black. I mean, they have Maholo, Milner Scudder. And then, uh, you know, I think Fadeau might be hurt, but Ed Fido has, uh, had a tremendous year as well for New York. Um, he's, he's, I think in the running too, for, you know, like a first 15, you know, spot as a winger for the season. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give, I'm going to give, uh, New York the edge in the back three. Yeah.
0: If I'm not mistaken, and if I can look it up real quick, if the Major League Rugby website loads, um, I believe Ed Fido is the leading try scorer in the league. Jeopardy music. Someone, Corey, can you put the Jeopardy music in the background real quick?
1: We'll edit edit this weight out. Corey, edit this weight out in the uh, (laughs) final uh, edition.
0: Try, try scored. Ed Fidel leads the league with 12, next closest being Rikert adding at 10. So, you know, you got two two very good players there. Um, AJ Alatimo being the leading point scorer in the league, um, but that does include playoffs. And he also has the kicking meters by 1600. So that's, hmm. you know how important he is to the to the match for them. Um, as far as your eyes, we'll, we'll add one more in coaching. Who, who do you think has the advantage there, you know, with Marty Veal for New York and, um, apologize, his, uh, Alan Clark for Seattle? I know Alan Clark has the, the repertoire. Uh, Marty Veal has the, um, at least knowledge of the game a little bit more closely in MLR, but I don't know how much that translates versus, you know, the,
1: yeah, the, the resume
0: know, of Alan Clark.
1: I'm just really, um, uh... I found some of Marty Veal's lineup choices throughout the year a little confusing. Um, Like It seemed like for the first 10 weeks, everyone was perpetually in rest mode. Um, And maybe, I mean, they're in the finals, so maybe this strategy paid off. Um, But it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like it to me. I mean, why is Dylan Fawcett starting like six games at Hooker? Seems odd to me if he's healthy, which as far as I understood, he's been healthy. Uh, I mean, He's usually on the bench. It wasn't like he wasn't being selected for the team. Um, so, I don't know. I guess I'll, I'll give it to, to Clark. Um, I mean, it's, t- it's a tough one because also you could easily say, well, Seattle didn't even really perform their way into a playoff spot. Uh, yeah. you know, they, they made their way in after the disqualifications of other teams. Um but you know, I mean, false fair is fair. It's fair. They, the same token, they operated within the rules and salary cap, and cooperated with the league instructions. Uh, and so that makes it harder on the coach if you can't violate the salary cap and bring in whoever you want or when, yeah, whatever exactly happened there. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a strong feeling either way. It's hard from the outside to really know what the coach is contributing. You don't, you don't see that much. Uh, See the lineups and lineup selection purely on a lineup selection basis. I'm going to say Clark uh, has been better.
0: Fair enough. Um, I know we've talked a lot about position groups, but um, and I know we we tend to do this very early before lineups are released. But we're just going to just go straight into picks here. Um, for those who aren't aware, the game is this Saturday, June 25th at 12 p.m. Eastern. And for those complaining about the time, it was the time slot the league was given.
1: Yeah, Josh, what what's your view on the on the uh, kickoff gate scandal or uh, whatever, yeah, whatever we want to call this? The, the nine a.m. West Coast start time uh, for this kickoff.
0: Um, my my issue is I don't know what else I know. So I know the USFL on USFL playoff game is on Fox at three p.m. Eastern. So maybe could have uh I don't know probably not an hour more um I don't know what comes on after that game, so it was either a twelve o'clock kickoff or you're waiting till potentially six thirty seven o'clock eastern to kick off um depending on what came after the u s f l game if there was baseball on or not,
1: yeah or, um, you're, not, or you're not being on fox I'm guessing yeah. I mean, who knows But my my suspicion is. If the desire was to be on Fox, Fox proper, that was the time slot. Or you could be on FS1 or FS2 and probably have a more, little closer to prime time slot. Uh, So I guess the question for fans is, if you're the MLR, is your hope, or if you're a fan of the MLR, is your hope that the league will pick the time that gets them on Fox proper or pick a more prime time slot on a less prime time channel? It's a tough call, but I I think for me, I definitely am glad the game's on Fox proper. That feels like a win for the league. And, uh, you know, obviously it's not ideal for West Coast teams, but, I mean, the NFL West Coast games kick off at 1 p.m. all the time. Uh, You know, that's part of the advantage of being the home team in this case is you get to have the home field, and so your time zone is more important than the visiting team's time zone. If you don't like that, win home field advantage, and then you'll have that advantage. Uh, so, you know, I, I obviously, I, is it an advantage? Probably. It's probably an advantage. I mean, most, at NFL too, most times you travel across the coast, it's difficult for the, tra- the traveling team because time zones are weird that way. Um, ah. It's definitely not an all-encompassing, overwhelming advantage, I don't think, but it's, it's definitely an advantage for New York. And I think you can say it's an advantage New York has earned by having the better record in the regular season. Yeah.
0: And Seattle has played early games like this before. I believe there was a couple games in last season, or there was at least one game last season where they played this 12 o'clock kickoff. Um, I believe the game was against Toronto, and that was because Atlanta was playing a home game that night as well. So it's not like they haven't played at this time before. So
1: yeah but, and been a number of like ten pm. Eastern games uh, that played in Seattle this year, so yeah, yeah you know, when you're the home team, you do what you gotta do yeah,
0: for sure. All right. Um, I, I think you know lineups are very important to this one. we're you're gonna put out the best lineup you can. just depends on what happened, who's injured and who's not. Um, it's probably gonna be a close one. Um, and Seattle has that um, championship game experience. They can bring that with them. Um, New York has the momentum on their side. I believe. I, I do believe that they do. Even though Seattle has basically cruised through the competition, New York has um, had to compete both games. So I'm, I'm going to go with the championship experience. I've we've seen it how it happened. We've seen it in the NBA playoffs. We're seeing it in the NHL playoffs. Um, I'm going to take Seattle by two.
1: Ooh. Nice. What is that? Uh, can we, is there a line? I, I can't see. the. Oh. Line.
0: oh yeah. I forgot. You can't see the lines. Hold on. If you, if you want to talk about your thoughts on the game real quick.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think your assessment is fair. I think Seattle is the experienced team in, in MLR championship history, of course. But, um, I think New York's had a better season. New York, beat seattle earlier uh it is an east coast game so there is a travel and involved for seattle presumably you never know but presumably that the fans will be you know more oriented towards new york um i think they might get a good turnout too for a championship game in red bull so um i'm gonna say new york by six
0: all right let's see so DraftKings has new york by four and a half um, FanDuel, give me a second. Has uh, rugby New York is minus one sixty-five, Seattle is plus one fifty-five, and may have a three-point spread in favor of New York. And MGM has the same four and a half spread as um, DraftKings, but they have New York as minus two hundred favorites.
1: Yeah. All right. So pretty much across the board, New York's a slight favorite. I think that. Is not surprising, you know, given the regular season records. Um, so, should be entertaining.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, any last thoughts from you, Craig? I know I wasn't sure. Did I, did I miss anything else major this? Oh, I did miss this because it just happened, I believe, today, if I'm not mistaken, or was it last night? Um, it was last night. Jackals GM Elaine Bassi has left the club. So, they are now looking for basically three new positions, as far as I'm aware a director of rugby ops, a general manager, and a head coach. So, hopefully, they can have a better season next year. Um, and for those listening, um, we will confirm this tomorrow, but Federico Anselmi has been scheduled to be the referee, according to Paul Tate of America's Rugby News. I know a lot of people don't like that, but it is what it is.
1: He must have. So, he must have some blackmail material on
0: uh, <laughs> Aaron Castro
1: over there at MLR headquarters.
0: I guess, I guess one question, God damn, sorry, Tampa Bay just scored. Um, I guess one question real quick. Um, this was posted four hours ago on the M.L. Rugby subreddit. Do you think it'd be a good idea to, you know, if they were going to do this neutral site type of game, even if it's close to the, the home field advantage, do you think it'd be a good idea for the league to postpone a week to give ticket sales more of a, a better chance of getting there?
1: Um, I don't think it's a terrible idea. I think the issues issue is you run to international camps, you know, teams are probably gathering for the international window. Uh, yeah, already. Uh, but certainly soon. And so you push back another week, that's another week away from international camp. These players are, taken but I think definitely I mean MLR's got to worry about MLR not Team USA um, so I, I think it's definitely worth considering uh, if we think an extra week or a neutral venue that you'd sell tickets to way in advance for people that are agnostic as to who's going to be in the game and they just want to go to see the game I think both those are worth a lot of sense what the NFL does it's a neutral venue and you could sell tickets a year out several years out if you wanted to but um, I think definitely all worth exploring. This will be an interesting case because New York's a high population city with a lot of rugby players. Um, It's at a professional size stadium. New York is in the championship as the home team. Let's see what kind of turnout they get. If they get a really strong turnout, that might lend itself more to a continued home team model. And whether you wait a week or not, I think another thing we can experiment with. I think if they don't get a huge turnout, then you know it might make more sense to go to a pre-selected venue um, where MLR thinks it could sell more tickets more reliably.
0: Sure, there All right, any other last-minute thoughts from you? I, I think I ran out of my last-minute thoughts.
1: So I guess for our, our loyal fans out there, Josh, is the plan? We're do one more show next week after the finals, and then. We'll take a little break and we'll come back for USA Eagles 15s. Is, uh, is that the scheduling uh, plan here?
0: I don't know. You want to? I don't know. I mean, we'd basically just be talking about the game for like five minutes. Yeah. Unless we get Liam on, he could probably extend another 10.
1: All right. So TBD, uh, we, I mean, we, I think we got to do something after the championship, but uh, maybe we'll come back next month and maybe we'll see if we can do a special event where we – Bring some old faces. I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll keep we'll keep everybody updated out there.
0: Yeah. Well thank you for listening, everyone. Um you, you know, once again we are Earful of Dirt. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Earful of Dirt. My name is Joshua Fredlin. You can find me at Josh Fred on Twitter. Joining me tonight was Craig Deli. You can find him at MM Flyhalf on Twitter. Thank you for listening, everyone, and go watch some lovely. Thanks for listening to Earful of Dirt. Connect with your hosts via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Visit our website at earfulofdirt.com or email us your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com.